I hope that you're all keeping safe. I'm Andrew Thorpe, and welcome to the latest Harney's R&I podcast, where we speak with some of our key restructuring and insolvency specialists and consider contemporary topics. Unsurprisingly, there's a lot of action out there at the moment, and this series is designed to discuss exactly how we deal with those and what we're seeing currently with respect to cross-border insolvencies and restructuring efforts. And today I'm joined by Harney's partners, Stuart Cullen. Hi, Andy. And Ellie Crespi. Evening, Andy. Both are based in the beautiful Virgin Islands. The focus of today's podcast is the recent and successful global restructuring of Constellation Oil Services Group, a massive drilling operation based principally in Latin America. Now, uh, restructuring of oil and gas groups and their service arms have been commonplace for a while. And given that um, as of today's date, US trade is actually trading at a negative dollar value, these look, this trend looks likely to increase. Fortunately, this restructuring that we're going to talk about this evening closed very recently, but it was a little different from those that we have seen previously. More of that later, but Stuart, in the meantime, can you kick it off, please, and tell us a little bit more about Constellation? Sure. So uh, Constellation was the oil and gas arm of the Brazilian Queiroz Galvao Group. That's a huge business involved in engineering, construction, and other industries in Brazil and throughout Latin America. So Queiroz Galvao, uh, face problems from about 2014 or 2015 on, in part as a result of being subject to the Lava Jato or car wash investigation into corruption involving Petrobras, uh, the Brazilian state-owned oil company, but also as a result of the general downturn in the oil and gas markets. The parent company of Constellation is Constellation Oil Services SA, which is incorporated in Luxembourg, a jurisdiction that's, that's actually quite common uh, for Brazilian businesses to encounter. But Constellation owns its rigs and vessels through Brazilian and BVI subsidiaries. So BVI's involvement arose from the fact that notes that Constellation Oil Services SA had issued due in 2024 were guaranteed by those BVI subsidiaries and those BVI subsidiaries have also provided security over the rigs and vessels they own and operated. So when Constellation Group sought to restructure through a court process in Brazil, the BVI companies were put into provisional liquidation. Okay, I see. Thanks, thanks Stuart. It's amazing how the, uh, the car wash scandal seems to infect so many parts of, of Brazilian commerce. And there's a great series on Netflix about it as well, if you're interested. But um, provisional liquidators are, are usually designed in the BVI Stuart to protect creditors pending a full liquidation and not really as a debtor in possession style type of relief. What, what happened in this case? Yes, so in, in this case, uh, light touch provisional liquidators were put in place over the BVI subsidiaries. Now, light touch provisional liquidation is a process used in offshore jurisdictions mainly by companies that are trying to get breathing space in which to, to restructure especially in those jurisdictions where there's no administration or chapter 11 style process available. And in Constellation's case, they were looking at having a scheme of arrangement sanctioned in BVI. Now, light touch provisional liquidations are a familiar process in, in Cayman and in Bermuda. And what happens is that the management of the company is left in control of the day-to-day -day business of the company, but under the supervision of a court appointed provisional liquidator, and that's in contrast to a normal provisional liquidation where full control of the company is handed over to the provisional liquidator uh, who is usually appointed by the creditors of the company. 
Cayman legislation, for example, expressly provides for light touch provision liquidators to assist with promoting a compromise or arrangement with creditors. And the reason we haven't seen one before in BBI is mainly because uh, the legislation here is quite simply different and doesn't contain such a provision. But it's also, I think, because BBI is generally considered a very creditor-friendly jurisdiction. I see, I see. Well, given current market circumstances, and this certainly seems to have opened the door, do you, do you think we're going to see more light-touch uh, provisional liquidations in the BVI? That's, that's a very good question, actually, Andy. And while it was quite a coup for Constellation to obtain an order uh, appointing these provisional liquidators, it should be noted that it was done in the context of what turned out to be a largely consensual process in BVI regarding Constellation. The application was not challenged. There was no opposition to the application for provisional liquidators at the hearing, and the order was not appealed. It does show that light-touch provisional liquidations may be av available in the BVI, but I think there's a question over whether such an order would be granted if properly opposed. So we will see in future whether there are going to be many, many more of these. My guess is that there certainly will be a few more attempts, but uh, we may eventually get an order either from the Commercial Court or the Court of Appeal, which indicates that this is uh, something that might not be possible in future. Yes, especially, I, I guess, if an agitating creditor turns up and opposes. You mentioned uh, a scheme of arrangement, but what, why do we need to scheme it when um, the BVI companies were being dealt with as a whole in the, in the RJ restructuring proceeding in Brazil? Yes, so, so you're right that uh, most of the BVI subsidiaries were subject to the Brazilian court-supervised RJ or Recuperação Judicial procedure in Brazil. Well, well pronounced, I didn't even try that, I just went for RJ. Well, I, I'm not sure if it's all that well pronounced, but uh, we'll, we'll stick with RJ from now on. So because of Brazilian rules regarding the nature of the economic group that can be subject to a court restructuring there, one of the BBI subsidiaries uh, called Alinda Star was actually excluded by the Brazilian court from the RJ. And this was done on the basis that as a BBI company with a direct parent that was another BBI company, and with assets outside of Brazil, because its vessel was located at the time in South Asian waters, the Brazilian court considered there wasn't a sufficient nexus with Brazil to include it in the RJ proceedings there. So Alinda, like others, the other Constellation subsidiaries in BBI, had given guarantees and had given security in respect to the 2024 notes. So if those notes were to be restructured, the outstanding guarantee and security given by Olinda Star would have to be compromised through another route rather than through the Brazilian RJ. And that route was through a BVI scheme of arrangement. That poses challenges for us, Andy, on the transactional side, because of course, acting bondholder side, uh, we were looking at Olinda Star as a BVI subsidiary that had previously given exactly the same sort of guarantee and security package as its sister companies. If the notes were going to be restructured, then Alinda's obligations as well would also have to be compromised through a process separate to the RJ. From our perspective, the BBI scheme was necessary, therefore, to bind Alinda to a guarantee and security package that mirrored the RJ terms for the other BBI subs. Well, I see, I see that, Ellie, but why not just um, amend and restate the security package? 
That's a, that's a great question, Andy. Um, I actually asked the same one when I, when I came on board to this exciting transaction. And it, you're right, it is the usual approach when restructuring debt to amend and restate security rather than releasing and retaking it. We do that to avoid resetting the look back period that a liquidator has to set aside transactions as potential preferences in the case of a company's insolvency. Clearly something that would be very, very relevant in the case of Constellation. In this case, however, the parties lack the requisite consent thresholds to go down the amendment route. We therefore had to extinguish the existing obligations and start again with new ones. Well, with that, I imagine you could get a little bit creative um, with, with the new securities. Was there any ring fencing, for example, or preferential terms given? Oh, ab absolutely. As is often the case, Andy, in a financial distress scenario, much of the collateral was of questionable value. Uh, we did identify one group of FPSO, that's a floating production, storage and offloading assets, for which there was a ready market. What we did was transfer those assets into new Constellation subsidiaries to take them outside the scope of the RJ. The company was then able to sell those assets in the open market and the proceeds were earmarked to partially pay down the senior creditors. It was a carrot, if you like, for the senior creditors to go into company rescue mode, as opposed to uh, pressing ahead to put the company into insolvent liquidation. Good. Well, well, Stuart mentioned actually that the initial appointment in the BVI was, was at least partially consensual. Um, just how, how, how rough did it get and how complex were the intercreditor issues uh, down the line? <laughs> Very complex, Andy. Uh, we, we ended up taking first to fifth lien security and had a mammoth intercreditor agreement in place. A, do a document I don't need to revisit, but uh, caused us uh, lo lots of late nights. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like it. Um, well, last question, Ellie, on the, on the nuts and bolts of the restructuring. We, we often hear transaction lawyers talk about taking lightweight floating charges. Did you use one of these instances and, and what are they generally used for? Could you, could you help me out on that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. The lightweight floating charge is a tool we use to protect our creditor clients in the event that the administration provisions of the Insolvency Act are brought into force. For our listeners who are less familiar with the nuances of our British Virgin Islands legislation, by way of background, Part 3 of the Insolvency Act contemplates that administration will be available as a remedy under British Virgin Islands law. These provisions to date have yet to be brought into force. As under English law, under BVI administration, holders of a floating charge will be able to block the appointment of an administrative receiver. And as administrative receivership invites a statutory moratorium, preventing creditor clients from enforcing their security, we would always advise taking this precaution. It effectively allows our creditor clients to pursue recovery of their debt in the usual way, i.e. without recourse to a liquidator or the court. Okay, so good self-help remedy for security holders. Absolutely. Thanks, Ellie. Well, for those of you who listened to um, to the first podcast in our R&I series, Chai and Ian, my, and our colleagues in, in Asia, discussed parallel schemes of arrangement. And there was much talk of the Gibbs rule. Now, that's a long-established English principle and precedent that states that uh, insolvency proceedings can't be used to, to either discharge or vary debts governed by the law of another jurisdiction. Now, the Gibbs rule is, is, is much loved in the common law world, but, but less so beyond that and, and causes some um, regular cross-border issues. 
Stuart, how did, how did this come into play in this um, restructuring with the, with the core of the restructuring being done in Brazil and assets spread all over the world? So the 2024 notes were actually governed by New York law. And under the rule in Gibbs, it, it could be argued that the BVI court could not compromise those obligations in, through a BVI scheme of arrangement. And likewise, uh, it may be the case under uh, New York law that the Brazilian RJ could also not make those, those compromises. So in order to make sure that that uh, risk was closed off, Chapter 15 proceedings uh, to recognize uh, the Brazilian restructuring and the BVI scheme of arrangements were brought in New York. And uh, we're glad to say that an order was granted by the, the Bankruptcy Court of the Southern District of New York on the 30th of March, which gave full force and effect to the BVI scheme of arrangement. And the Brazilian restructuring itself had also been uh, properly and fully recognized in New York prior to that date too. Excellent. Well, it's good news. And, and um, obviously, Ellie, delighted that those late nights and headaches for those intercreditor agreements um, finally paid off. What looks oh, like it was, yeah, <laughs> was certainly a satisfactory ending. Um, but what it, what it does do, I think, is highlight the need for um, a bespoke corporate rescue regime in the BVI. And that's certainly something that's under consideration at the moment. Um, and, and there are various drafts and working groups pursuing that. Um, but in the meantime, it really looks like provisional liquidators, until thoroughly tested, may well be used as a square peg in a round hole to offer that moratorium um, in support of restructurings taking, taking place um, in other jurisdictions around the globe. Um, well, yeah. that's all from us today. Thank you very much, Stuart and Ellie. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Thanks, Andy. Cheers. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And please do get in touch with us um, in one of our offices across the globe um, to discuss any issues you're, you're currently facing. Cheers. All the best. Bye.